I'd like to invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. If you don't have a Bible with you, and you'd like to have one, we have some spares back there on the table. You're welcome to use one of those. (laughs) In fact, you're welcome to have one of those if you need a Bible at all and take it with you. They were uh, given to us to give away, so... Uh, If you need a Bible, there they are. John chapter 21, and this is the last chapter of the book of John. And uh, I'm not going to make any promises, but our goal is to go over this whole chapter today. Here's what it says. After these things, Jesus revealed himself, manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. By the way, that's another name of the Sea of Galilee, in case you were wondering, and that's where all these disciples are from. And apparently, that's where they've gone home to now. Anyway, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter... And Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples, were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll come with you. (laughs) They went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. When the day was now breaking, the disciples stood on the beach. I'm sorry, I did not say that correctly. That's not what it says. When the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you don't have any fish, do you? They answered him, No! And he said to them, Cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. So they cast. And then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in, in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, They saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you've now caught. 
Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although they were, there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, truly, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, truly, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished, but when you grow old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Sometimes you'll see uh, around where I'm from, you'll see You'll, you'll go to a store and it'll be closed when it, it would normally be open. And in the window is a sign that gives the excuse that says why the store's not open. Here's what it says. Gone fishing. I'm sure that's never happened here in Bonaire. Gone fishing. 
I hang out with these guys sometimes on Mondays, and they are hunting lionfish. They go, they actually dive, scuba gear, the whole thing. They carry their little elf spear thingy. They're hunting, they're looking for the fish. Sometimes we come back from the dive, they didn't see any. None. Now, because they're scuba diving, they're never out all night. Because if you, you'd need, I don't know how many scuba tanks to stay out all night. Probably like seven or eight of them. So they don't do that. But sometimes there's no luck, we call it. Here's something else I've noticed since I was a small child. I don't really like fishing that much. You know, we have this saying, did you catch anything? No, I didn't catch anything. Well, that's why they call it fishing, not catching. Well, you know, Peter and these other apostles, they're fishermen. And when they don't know what to do, guess what they do? Well, Peter says it right here in our text. Let's go fishing. Well, he doesn't say that because Peter has trouble with the word us or we. It tends to be I and me when it comes to Peter. So he says, I'm going fishing. And the other guys say, we'll go too. We'll go too. Now, sometimes people make a big deal out of the fact that Peter's going fishing. I don't think we should make that big of a deal out of it. I think it's just what Peter does. And life is... Uh, they don't... It, they're in this phase between the resurrection and Pentecost when, what do you do? And Jesus apparently is not with them all the time like he had been before his death. So he, he's showing up from time to time and kind of out of the clear blue, quite literally. So there they are. They've gone back to Galilee by the way, we know from the other Gospels that they go back to Galilee because Jesus instructed them to go back to Galilee. So they're in Galilee. What are they going to do? Peter says, I'm going fishing. So they say, well, we'll come too. So they all get in the boat and they go fishing all night long. And they don't catch anything. Well, this happens. Here's something, I, here's what I noticed when I was a kid. If you're fishing and anyone comes along, they're going to say something to you, and it's always the exact same thing. Catch anything? If someone sees you fishing, they will say, catch anything? Without fail. In fact, you've probably been the person who walks up to the guy fishing and said, catch anything? So they're out there, they're 100 yards, let's say 100 meters, in case someone needs to know what a yard is, 100 meters out from the shore. And it's just, 
it's just the light is just coming on. It's kind of dark. And there's a guy on the beach. And he says, you don't have any fish, do you? It, it says, now in the text you might have noticed, it says children. And the best commentary I read about this said, that's like when the British say lads. Hey guys, you don't have any fish, do you? Now that's a little bit mean compared to the question you normally get asked, which is, caught anything? Which is kind of hopeful. But Jesus doesn't say that sort of hopeful, How, what'd you catch? He says, you don't have any, do you? And they say, I imagine them, these are professional fishermen. Before they went with Jesus, these guys made their living catching fish out of this very lake, probably out of this very boat. And they say, no. I imagine them being somewhat annoyed by this guy that shows up on the beach and taunts them about the fact that they haven't caught anything all night long. Plus, they've been up all night long. So they are ready to be annoyed. But anyway, there they are. And the text says they didn't, they, they didn't know it was Jesus. Now, we've seen, there's a text in, in the book of Luke, at the end of the book of Luke, where Jesus conceals himself and he's talking with the disciples on the Emmaus Road. You remember the story? And they, he prevents them from recognizing them, him. I think in this case that might have happened, but probably wasn't necessary. If you imagine someone a hundred meters away in the early morning light, you might not recognize them. And they don't have any reason to anticipate him showing up. So there he is. So he says, hey, you don't have any fish, do you? And they say, no. And he says, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat. Now, I imagine myself being, I don't know, James, son of Zebedee, out there. And here this guy comes on the beach, and he's saying, throw the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll catch some. Have you ever had a relative amateur tell you how to do something you're already really good at? But here's what they do. All right. Throw it out there. Uh, I was reading... One, one guy commenting on this text, and he says, if you've ever been fishing with a child, you understand this. Because maybe you're a really good fisherman, but you're fishing with your seven-year-old son or whatever, and you're casting at the spot where you think the fish is, and he says, try over there. 
what do you do? Try over there. So they try over there. And the fish are jumping into the net before it hits the water. 153 fish, we find out later. Big ones, it says. Ever talk to a fisherman about how big the fish are? Big ones. 153 of them because they count them because of course they count them. They're going to sell them. Well, anyway, there they are. They're jumping in. Great number of fish. They aren't able to pull the net. Now, let's see. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. Seven guys. They can't get the net into the boat because of the weight of the fish. Okay. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the author of our text, is like, because this has happened before. There's a very similar story to this that happens early in the ministry of Jesus in the book of Luke. Well, John goes, it's the Lord. How did he figure that out? Well, because the guy said, cast them over there, and then the fish were jumping in the net. It's clearly a miracle. It's the Lord. He, he figures it out. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. He says this to Peter. It's the Lord. Peter goes, yeah, it is. So he puts his jacket on and jumps in. <laughs> Peter can't wait for the boat. He says, I can be with him sooner if I swim. Peter's gone swimming. <laughs> he jumps in, he swims in. And he gets there before the boat, apparently. The other disciples came in the boat because they weren't that far away. About 100 meters, it says here. Dragging the net full of fish. So when they got on the land, there's a fire already made, charcoal fire. There's fish cooking on the fire. Where'd those come from? I think John is sort of messing with us in the text here. Where did this guy where did this guy on the beach get fish at five o'clock in the morning? I think maybe we're supposed to remember the story of the feeding with the fish and the bread. He specifically mentions fish and bread here twice. Jesus took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. It's very repetitive of the text where Jesus did the miracle of the multiplication of the fish and the bread, but we, he doesn't say. He just lets that little miracle appear. 
So the other disciples came in the little boat, and they, they're not far, but they drag the net full of fish. They get out on land. They see the fire laid, fish placed on it, and bread. And Jesus says, bring some of the fish which you've caught now. <laughs> bring some of the fish which you have now caught. I already had some fish, but bring some of yours. And I want to say, they caught? They caught? Jesus is giving them a little credit here, don't you think? Bring some of those fish that you've finally caught. So they do. They, Jesus, that's what causes Peter to go help them or maybe single-handedly drag the net up onto the beach. They spread the fish out. They count them. There's 153. But the net was not torn. That's, by the way, a distinction from the story. The previous story, when Jesus told them where to catch the fish, in that story, the net did tear because there were so many fish. This time, the net hangs together. And Jesus says, come and eat. Come and eat. None of them said, who are you, knowing it was the Lord? And you think, well, if they knew it was the Lord, why would they ask who it was? Here's what I think that sentence is designed to say. They're all standing around not knowing what to say or do. Because again, the Lord Jesus, the risen Christ, has suddenly appeared before them. They don't know what to do with him. They don't know what to say to him. They don't... They're... Their gears are stripped, we might say. Their, their minds are blown. This man, they witnessed his death, is alive and standing there again. And this is the third time. And he's just produced this miracle of this catch of fish. And they're... So he says... Sit down, eat. And that's what they do. And John says this is the third time Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. After he was raised from the dead, he appeared to the disciples. And again... <laughs> John now has given us three stories, really four stories, the third one to these men. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed is the point. The Lord Jesus Christ died, was crucified on the cross, and bodily rose from the dead. He's sitting there eating with them, shouting at them, conversing with them. And now, after breakfast, Jesus goes fishing. 
He says to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And we have this same conversation three times. Three times he says, do you love me? Three times John says, truly, Lord, I love you. Three times he says, take care of my sheep. He says it three different ways. Feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. So he says to Peter three times. Now, it's a subject of a lot of discussion. What are these? Do you love me more than these? There's various theories, and I'm just going to tell you the one I like. He's saying to Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Why would he say something like that to Peter? Because Peter has a history of claiming to be the most devoted disciple. Peter in chapter 13 says, chapter 13, verse 37, Well, I'm going to start with 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow. Well, that's interesting. He's using the word follow, follow. He's going to use that word again in our text. You will follow later. Where is he going? He's going to the Father through the cross. And Jesus says to Peter, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me later. Well, we'll come back to that. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I, not we, I will lay down my life for you. And then in the garden, uh, well, and that's where Jesus says, will you? I'm telling you, Peter. A rooster won't crow three times, or won't crow before you've denied knowing me three times. Between now and tomorrow morning. All of those things then have transpired before we get to chapter 21. And so Jesus says to Peter, Do you love me more than these other disciples? Let's see what you think now, Peter. This is an occasion for Peter to look into his own heart. And what does he find? Well, we've already seen it in the story. As soon as Peter knew who that was, what happened? He jumped out of the boat and swam in. That's what happened. He couldn't wait to be with Jesus. Peter looks into his heart and he discovers he does love him. But that had been in doubt. That had been in doubt and not just in the mind of Peter. Think of these other guys. 
What do they think of Peter's denial? Well, here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is going fishing for Peter. Jesus is going to get Peter back. And he does it by sort of forcing Peter to examine his own heart and find his devotion to Christ. This is not a test, it's a restoration and a commission. Jesus doesn't wonder if Peter really loves him. Peter does. Jesus knows the story as it really is. So he says, three times, do you love me? Peter says, truly, Lord, I love you. Truly. You know I do. And the third time Jesus asked, Peter is grieved by the question. I think what that means is Peter is disturbed by the fact that this question can be legitimately asked of him. You do have some reason to wonder, and Peter is grieved by that. Truly, Lord, you know. You know everything. You know this. Here's the thing. When Peter denied the Lord three times, when Peter denied the Lord three times, when that, that little girl and then that relative of the guy whose ear Peter sliced off, Peter ready to die for the Lord Jesus, <laughs> when they said, you, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? Then he said, no, no, I'm not. When Peter denied the Lord three times, he was lying. He did not speak the truth when he denied Christ. Now he's speaking the truth when he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He is actually devoted to Jesus. And when he says so, it is true. He's not, there's no question in the mind of Jesus about this. Jesus is in the process of restoring Peter by getting Peter to notice the truth that he is, in fact, devoted to Christ, that he does, in fact, love him. And then there's a commandment, a, a commission. Shepherd my sheep, take care of my lambs, feed my sheep. It's just three ways of saying the same thing. This is Peter, I restore you. You are on the mission. You are on the, you're not just on the team. You are a shepherd in the team. So Peter is indeed devoted to Jesus and consequently in a position to be an under-shepherd to Jesus' sheep. And so he's given that position. Jesus goes about removing the doubt to restore Peter's leadership, which is now 
humble leadership. If you ask the question, why does Peter go through this? Why is Peter the one that goes through this, you'll deny me three times? Because Peter's the one that needed it. When Jesus says to Peter, you'll deny me three times before morning, Jesus knows this is exactly what Peter needs to experience. Because Peter needs to quit being the I'm in front leader to being the shepherd leader, the servant leader, to follow Christ in his leadership. And that is what happens in this process. And so he denied him three times. And so Jesus says, do you love me three times? And Peter says, truly, truly, I love you three times. And you know I do three times. And then Jesus goes on. And he says, you know, when you were a young man, you used to do, dress yourself, go wherever you want. But when you're an old man, someone else will dress you and take you where you don't want. And John informs us that this is <clears throat> Jesus' way of announcing how Peter would glorify God in his death. Who glorifies God in his death so far in the book of John? Jesus. And so Jesus says, follow me. Just like he said in chapter 13, follow me. And following me means, in your case, going where I went when I said I'm leaving and I said, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me later. So we learn here in the book of John, Jesus prophesies that Peter will be crucified for the name of Christ. That is indeed what happened. It's like Jesus says to Peter, you know, you, you said you'd lay down your life for me. Well, yeah, you will. You said you'd lay down your life for me, then you denied me. Well, story's not over. Peter will glorify God in death by crucifixion following Jesus in that very thing. Here's the thing, though. When Peter said, I'll die for you, Peter meant, I will die to keep you from dying. That's what he meant. And when he drew the sword and went after the guy in the garden, that's what he was doing. And then Peter was traumatized by the fact that Jesus quit. Let himself get crucified. And now, though, Peter will die for the name of Christ, but following Christ, not defending Christ. Peter will die in imitation of Christ, not in defense of Christ. Wow. <laughs> so, there they are. 
walking down the beach or whatever, and Peter sees John following. This is the way John likes to play with words, right? Because <laughs> it says in the English text, it says following them, but the them is not actually in the Greek text. It just says following. So Peter looks around and he sees John following. Right after Jesus said, follow me, there's John. I think it's interesting that in this text, you have the disciple who loved Jesus and the disciple that Jesus loved together. This is the great team of the apostles, the leaders of the apostles, Peter, James, and John. Peter and John together, here they are together on this beach after this miraculous catch, after Jesus graciously restores Peter to his role as a leader among these men. And John is there already doing what Jesus asked Peter to do. And Peter says, well, what about him? And Jesus says, well, what about him? That's my paraphrase. It's basically a none of your business answer. What concern is it of yours? Suppose I have him live till I return. That's my will for him. Imagine that. Doesn't change anything for you. And John carries that into the whole explanation of, you know, that's how the rumor developed that John was never going to die, but Jesus didn't really say that. What about him? And Jesus says, well, you follow me and let me worry about him. Now, there's, a, there's things here in this discussion between Peter and Jesus that are for Peter alone. And it's a very common tendency among us Christians to try to say, take what Jesus said specifically to Peter and figure out, what about us? Just like Peter says, well, what about him? And Jesus is telling us here, look, what about you and what about you might be two different things. I'm perfectly capable of shepherding my people. And so what one needs and what another needs are not the same. And, you know, where I lead one might be different from where I lead another. Well, in fact, in a certain sense, must be. John lived a good long life. In fact, this book of John most likely is written after Peter has in fact died for the name of Christ. So what about us? What about us? I think, it might, maybe it's obvious, but I'll say it anyway. I think if we ask the question, do we all need to be crucified for the name of Christ? The answer is no. No. And obviously no. Does, do all followers of Christ die for the name of Christ? No. 
any one of us might, and that will in fact be glorious if it's required. So what about us? Well, here's some things for us. I'm just going to go through this quickly because we're out of time. Jesus keeps track of his sheep and takes care of his sheep. He keeps his sheep. He loses none. We might have wondered about Peter, but Jesus didn't. Jesus tracks him down and brings him back. And if you are one of his sheep, he will not lose you. Cannot, will not, does not. He said it himself. I will lose none of them, but will raise them up in the last day. Here's another lesson. Jesus knows where the fish are. I don't know what your problem is. Jesus has it figured out. I think, Rick, we should take Jesus with us when we go lionfish hunting because it, it would be lionfish getting, not lionfish hunting. He knows where they are. He knows what you need, where it is, and how you're going to get it. He is aware. He is the one who made the fish. He had some fish already before the fish they caught were brought to the beach. So whatever your problem is, share it with him. Remember, he's got it. Now, he doesn't just jump on whatever silly solution you've come up with. But he knows where the fish are. Here's another lesson. Do you love him? then take care of each other. You might not be a shepherd of the sheep, a pastor, if you will, but you're perfectly capable of loving one another, and this is what Jesus says. If, if you love him, you love each other. <laughs> and Jesus says, follow me. Here's, here's my rephrase of follow me. Stick with Jesus. Just stick with him. He, he's got all the problems solved. He knows where everything is. He's, if you're with him, good. That's always good. It's always right. Just stick with him. Uh, the sh under shepherds, you know, like Peter. And then Peter calls other elders in the church under shepherds. Says shepherd the flock of God that you're in. <laughs> it's really a flattery to call someone like me a shepherd because there's the shepherd and then there's us shepherds and you got to go shepherds because all we are is sheep that are given the title shepherd which all that means is while we're eating what he, the good shepherd, has provided, while we're going where he leads, we're the ones who poke our head up and say, hey, everyone, he's over here. 
This way, he's over here. What I do, if I'm a shepherd to this flock, all I do is point you to where he is. He knows how to lead you and feed you. He knows how to lead us and feed us as a group. His will, he says to Peter, when, when Peter says, what about him? He says, well, if it's my will that he live until I return, what is that to you? Here's the thing about his will. It is, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 2, it is good. It is pleasing, satisfying. It is perfect, complete, leaves nothing out. Why do I follow him? Because any other way is just dumb. If I can choose between his way and my way, well, his will is good, perfect, and pleasing. My will is dumb compared to his. Disappointing compared to his. Certainly does not account for everything like his does. So those are the lessons for us. Jesus keeps track of his sheep, takes care of his sheep, keeps his sheep, loses none of his sheep. Jesus knows where the fish are. If you love him, take care of each other. Stick with Jesus. Just stick with Jesus. He knows how to lead you, how to feed you. He knows how to lead us, how to feed us. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. If you have half a brain, you pick his will over yours. When Jesus went fishing, he succeeded. His sheep hear his voice, and they follow him. Father, we thank you for your love, for your care. You are the good shepherd. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we'll just follow you. Just follow you. We thank you that you keep track of us. You already know everything about all of our problems, what you're going to do about it, how they're going to be resolved. We know that all things are reconciled to God in Christ. We thank you for these things. We worship you. We cast ourselves upon you. In Jesus' name and by the Spirit we pray. Amen.